hockey fans, keep your eyes up and your shots down. It's time for Board Check, Impact Media's weekly dive into world of professional hockey, a little collegiate hockey in there as well. I'm your host, Jeremy, the Impact York. Wow. Clearly, we're going to get into the Stanley Cup final. That has just been bananas. What a series we are looking at. And just so you know, and just so you remember, your boy here is four for four in predicting this final so far. And I'll remind you guys what I said for the rest of the series. Coming up soon, we have, uh, there's actually a couple college notes we got to get into a little later on. Uh, what's going on up up in Nashville and over in Carolina? A little Glad's news as well. But first, before we even dive into some NHL headlines, because there are some other things going on in the league, not just two people playing for the Cup, I want to tell you guys how you can be a part of the show. Many of you already know this. However, here's a friendly reminder. Plus... For those of you new to the show, welcome. We are in uh, nearing the end of season eight of this show. It has spanned um, ten or twelve years. There's a couple years we uh, we didn't do the show, but uh, eight years strong. And trust me, there will be a ninth. We will get into that uh, later this summer. Uh, but here are all the ways you can be a part of this show. If you want to email the show, you can email us. 3endzone at gmail.com. That is the number 3, E-N-D-Z-O-N-E at gmail.com. I answer practically every email there. Some of them don't need answers. That's why I don't answer all of them. Uh, but we appreciate all of those. If you want to search for us on Facebook, you can do so by searching Impact Media or Board Check. You can go to Twitter if you just want to click on a link and listen to a show. You can do that by going to at Team Impact Media. Scroll down to the appropriate show. Click on it. Listen to it as many times as you want. There is no cap on that. Or this is a very unique show in that Board Check has its own Twitter account. At Board Check will uh, send you all the way into the world of all things hockey that we get into here. Plus uh, some rugby ATL and some other things like that. We kind of double up that account because hockey and rugby are very similar. Don't believe me? Stay tuned this summer. You guys are going to like it. You can also follow myself for show-related things and uh, not show related things. All kinds of stuff we get into. Fun things that I think you guys should know about that uh, we end up getting into. You can do that by following at TheImpact99 on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram. And, of course, you can find Board Check anywhere you find a podcast, including Spotify, Podcast One, the iTunes Store, practically anywhere you find a podcast. If there is a place that you regularly find a podcast that you cannot find us, please let me know. I will fix it. I promise you I will fix it. So, on tonight's show, as I said, we've got all that to get into. But first, let's jump into the world of the National Hockey League. Uh, congratulations to Ryan Huska, who has been named the new Calgary Flames head coach. He is the former assistant coach for the last five seasons. Uh, the GM said that was part of what went into the hire, 
was uh, he is familiar with the team and uh, and the players are familiar with him and he really liked uh, where where he could take this team. Hey, wish him all the best. Uh, he replaces Daryl Sutter, which of course was uh, relieved of his duties on May the 1st, I believe. I think it was the 1st of May. What a great May present that was, I bet. Um, and he was in charge of the defense and the penalty kill, which not just to make it sound like we know what we're talking about. We actually do. If you actually look, that is one of the things the Flames have done pretty well in the last five years. It's one of their strengths. So he just needs to find somebody to work on the offense and the uh, power play and maybe a goalie coach, and he should be good. I'm sure he's got those in mind. And uh, he also coached in the system for the Adirondack Thunder uh, a couple years ago. So uh, he has been a head coach before, just not on the NHL level. Wish Ryan Huska the best, and maybe he can get the Flames back to relevancy. Because right now they're, man, they're, they got some problems. Um, Toronto has hired Shane Doan, former Arizona front office member and uh, standout player. They have hired him as special advisor to the general manager. He recently spent the last three years in Arizona uh, in a front office position similar to that. Toronto's just trying to do some different things. They finally get past the first round of the playoffs, get that proverbial monkey off their back, and then they, I don't, I don't know. They've, they've got to do something. It may be an overhaul. It may, uh, it may mean a little bit of a shakeup of the roster. We will just have to see what Toronto is uh, actually going to do. But we'll see what Shane Doan can do. Maybe he eventually gets hired on as a general manager, and we really see what he can do. We shall see. Let's jump into the world of the Carolina Hurricanes. The main, the main thing going on in Carolina right now is a lot of people want to know what happened, first of all, how they just kind of collapsed, and uh, uh, Florida just basically ran them out of their own barn. And how big will the tweaks or or changes be to this roster? There are only three or four players, I believe, that have contracts through two-plus years, like after next year. And it's like Kachekov and Kotkiemi, and I can't remember the other ones. There's a couple of those. Um, the thing to keep in mind is that Sebastian Ajo, is a, I think, he's an unrestricted free agent after next season. Expect him to expect him to uh, get an extension pretty soon. Maybe, uh, you know, Marty Nachos and some other stars. I mean, at some point, do you? Do you um, maybe move one of your bigger stars to try to get some smaller pieces so you can afford everybody? Or you know, there's a, there's a lot of things to go there. You have three goaltenders, and the uh, three goaltenders 
being uh, Kachetkov. I think he's, I think he's, like I said, I think he's one that has a like a four-year deal. You have Antti Ranta, who was a fantastic backup, and you have uh, Fredrickson. Now, that's basically two starters and a backup. Ranti could be a starter, but he's not. But he's not. He's a really good backup. So, do you go ahead and move Kachetkov up and then move on from Fredericks? From Freddie? Or do you keep Freddie around, Kachetkov as a backup? Well, then what do you do with Ronta? I mean, I know you'd like to keep three goalies, and you don't really want to send Kachetkov back to the AHL because he's legitimately ready for NHL duty. It might be some learning curve here and there, but... To me, that's one of the biggest questions, and you you got to find a, a pure goal scorer. You got a lot of guys that can set up offense, but you just you lack that real finisher, that guy who can just hang a massive amount of goals on the board. So, at this point, that that's the big questions. It's it's what do you do a goalie? You got three great goalies. You can probably only keep two. Do you try to move one and find that goal scorer? That's what I would consider. But it's going to be an interesting offseason in Carolina. Um, you know, maybe we uh, maybe we try to get a couple of their, their uh, guys on to talk about it. We, uh, we're reaching out at the current moment, try to get uh, maybe one or two of them on here to talk about it. But it's, it's going to be really, really interesting. I think they are kind of at a crossroads because they are just on the cusp of being that cup team. But they're just, uh, there's a few loose screws or a few connections that just aren't there. And they've got to figure those out. I said a pure goal scorer, figuring out the goalie situation. Uh, Do you keep Burnsy around? Do, um, like I said, Aho seems like a pretty good idea to keep him around. What do you do with Machos? You've kind of let people go before, and they, they've done really good things other places. I understand you can't pay everybody. You've got Spetch coming back, Tara Vinan, all those guys with big injuries. You want to keep a lot of that young nucleus around, but it may be those unpopular decisions where you, you start moving some pieces around. But we'll see what Waddell and crew actually end up doing. Let's go to Nashville. And in Nashville, the biggest news up in Nashville right now is also the biggest news for the Atlanta Gladiators. And they are currently affiliates of each other. As the Gladiators become the new ECHL affiliate of Nashville, which means Nashville is the new NHL affiliate of the Atlanta Gladiators. The Norfolk Admirals, of course, being the go-between in the AHL. But this, once again, is testament. Now, there's some other Gladiators I'm going to get into in a second. But this is also testament to how well Jeff Pyle and crew develop players that an organization like Nashville, who has a lot of young talent and young prospects, and they're going to be drafting more this year, you can't stack them all on, on the NHL level. You can't stack them all in the AHL. You're going to have to move a few down to the ECHL to get some, some game experience before you can, can move them up where you really want to 
And you want to be with a program and a coach and a coaching staff that will develop them uh, not only at a quick pace, but in the right way. That's why Jeff Powell never has any issues being the ECHL affiliate of, of a team because they look and they're like, Coach Powell knows what he's doing. So uh, I think this partnership's really good. The pipeline is, I mean, you know, you got to think before. Um, if one of our gladiators got sent to the Roadrunners, well, they had to go all the way to the West Coast. Or if if they uh, even got sent up even faster than that, they got sent to the Coyotes. Well, once again, that's Arizona. Tucson, Arizona, and and uh, I'm not sure where the Coyotes play, honestly. They play somewhere in Arizona. Uh, but that's a long trip where you look now, and if, let's say, Murdaka, let's say just, let's just say Murdaka or our Gladiators uh, gets an AHL call-up. Well, he only has to get make it to Norfolk, Virginia from Atlanta. There's about half a dozen ways he could do that. I mean, he could almost hand glide, parasail if he really wanted to, but there's a lot of ways to get up there and get up there quickly. And obviously from Norfolk to Nashville... It's kind of the in-between of all of them anyway. So I think having a shorter pipeline like that, I think that's just really, really going to benefit both or all three organizations rather. And uh, like I said, I really like it. Not just because it ties together two of the teams we talk about here. That is a bonus. But other than that, um, I really like the pairing. I think you guys are going to like it as well. Uh, speaking of the Gladiators, in fact, not sure if I even told you guys this or not. I may have, but I think I did. Still, I'm going to say it again. Jeff Pyle, head coach, has been moved to director of hockey operations for the Gladiators. Congratulations, Jeff Pyle, on that. That means he can have his hand in the development on a wider scale. And so that leaves head coach vacant, right? Oh, contraire, bon frere. How about Coach Derek Nesbitt? Head Coach Derek Nesbitt. Didn't we all see this coming a couple years ago? I think I even mentioned it a handful of times he's been on the show. Yes, we will have him on the show probably sometime this summer. I promise you Derek Nesbitt, the new head coach of the Gladiators, will be on board check. Whether I have to sit outside his house, I'm just kidding, Derek. I will not do that. And get him on the show. Uh, But congratulations to Jeff Pyle and Derek Nesbitt on their promotions. And to me, this this just speaks more volumes as to why the Nashville Predators want to be affiliated with our Atlanta Gladiators. They know the track record of Jeff Pyle. They know the track record of Derek Nesbitt. They feel good trusting their prospects in the hands of those two hockey minds. So congratulations to them. And, uh, oh, also, the Atlanta, Gladiators pod- the Atlanta Gladiators podcast is coming back. It is going to return sometime this week. Derek Nesbitt is going to be their first guest. That is also why I have not booked him on this one yet. I wanted to let the Gladiators have the first interview with Coach Nesbitt. We will have him hopefully second or third, maybe somewhere in there. We're, we're working on that, but uh, can't wait. Definitely can't wait for that. 
Uh, just it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm glad to have that podcast back. That was a super cool podcast. Obviously, we have a different announcer and media director now. I look forward to having him on this show as well. So, um, if you guys, you know, if you guys want to uh, let him know that I would like to have him on the show, then definitely uh, do that. Because we got him most of the way through the season, you know, or part of the way through the season. I mean, it just, uh, so excited and so thankful that uh, he was able to join us and just pick up without missing a beat. You know, kind of sucks. Great for, for our old guy, Fulte, to get the call up to... See, Ice Hogs, I believe he went to. But uh, kind of left us without an announcer kind of early on. And um, and our new announcer was able to step in and uh, did a fantastic job. Come on. I keep dancing around it, seeing if you guys will know it. You guys are probably screaming at the podcast right now. I'm talking about Liam Godimer. Liam Godimer. We got him from Savannah. He's originally from New York. Called a bunch of great stuff there. We don't hold it against him that he wanted to be a ghost pirate. He ended up being a gladiator. He's also the director of broadcasting communications. My guess is that he'll be leading the podcast. But I uh, can't wait for that. And uh, is that all the notes? No, I do. There is one other note. Gladiator wise, what's the number one thing you guys are worried about as gladiator fans? Yep, come on. This is like Blue's Clues. Scream at the scream at the at the at the whatever device you're listening to me on. Scream at. Come on, I hear you. Yep, yep. Oh wow, ma'am, I cannot repeat that. Anyway, yep, exactly. You don't want the team to move, or maybe you do want the team to move. And what's the number one destination being talked about? That big complex they're putting together in Athens, Georgia, right up the road. Right up the road. Athens and Gwinnett, or Athens and Duluth, for people who don't know, are not that far apart. Not that far apart. So some of you wouldn't be so bad. Uh, it would actually add a lot more time to be getting there. But that's what you guys are worried about, right? What are they going to do with that complex? Well, I think I have your answer. Earlier today, the university of Georgia, otherwise known as UGA, the UGA Bulldogs. They announced that their hockey, their men's hockey program is now officially a D1, Division I program. Congratulations to them, by the way. They uh, used to play against KSU in Division III. Uh, they are now a Division I program. I don't know the ins and outs and, or nuts and bolts or the guts of that. Still looking into it. And have some feelers out, people getting back to me. But congratulations on them being a D1 program. So, to me, that answers part of the question. That big complex over there is probably going to be the home of the UGA Bulldogs men's Division I team. Fantastic. Uh, the side hope is that it attracts a professional-level team, whether it be ECHL, AHL, it won't be NHL, but probably ECHL or, I mean, it could be, could be uh, SBHL, could be one like that, could be any of those. But that, to me, seems like the reason they're building that complex. UGA is going to play their games there, I would imagine. 
No announcement's been made yet. But I would imagine UGA plays majority, if not all, of their games there. And if they happen to attract another uh, professional team over there, then so be it. I do not think it's going to be the Gladiators. It could be either a new team, or maybe you could see, I mean, maybe the Mad Hatters move their operation over there and away from uh, the, the Cobb County area. Maybe, maybe Columbus or one of those teams decide to, or Macon Mayhem, maybe they decide to move up that way. Don't know. I just, I feel like with the announcement from UGA that that is going to solve the whole thing of, of why we didn't know what was going to that complex. But I think we know. I think we know, right? But that's all the non-related Stanley Cup things that I have. So let's get into the Stanley Cup Finals. Probably why you tuned in. I made you wait all the way to the end. Not sorry for that. Not sorry for that at all. Um, I think I talked about game one last time, but I will do a brief overview of it. The Golden Knights win that one 5-2. to two. Uh, Eric Stahl and Anthony Duclair get the goals for the Panthers. You get Marcia so, Theodore, White Cloud, Stone, and Riley Smith all with the goals for uh, Vegas. Bobrovsky had 29 saves in the losing effort. Aiden Hill had 35 in the winning effort. What did I tell you guys? Golden Knights win game one. And they did. Don't believe me? Go back to last week's episode. I promise you, I spell out the entire Stanley Cup final. What did I say about game two? Well, let's talk about game two. Game two. This one happened in Vegas as well. Uh, Florida did a better job of winning faceoffs. I will give them that. Uh, Florida was definitely more aggressive early. There was a lot of big, clean hits from both early in the first period. Uh, There was a Florida penalty on Lumberg with uh, about 13 minutes left in the period. Uh, Marcia So gets the power play goal just about 30 seconds later, makes it one to nothing. Golden Knights. Florida penalty on Montour, didn't turn into much. Vegas got a penalty, it was on Wah. Uh, didn't turn into much. Martinez scored a goal with about two minutes to go. Made it two to nothing. Golden Knights going into period number two. Wah gets uh, Wah makes up for his penalty by getting a goal, making it three to nothing early in the second period. Brett Howden decides to get on or get on the board as well and make it four to nothing. That chased Bobrovsky. Yep. Bobby Pipes was given the gate, and uh, uh, Lyon was able to come in, and uh, he wasn't too bad. I think that's what you do with Bob Rofsky, because you'll see as the series has progressed that uh, giving him a, a little bit of a seat there didn't hurt him. I think it actually helped him. Uh, let's see, where, where are we? Uh, Barbashev and uh, 
uh, was it White that he got into it with? But anyway, it was uh, made that four on four with the double penalty there. Petrangelo got a penalty. Petrangelo got a penalty a little later on after that. Carrier then found himself in the box, and uh, late in the period there was that hit by Matthew Fachuk to Eichel. I don't think it was dirty. Even even Eichel said it was a clean hit. Um, but uh, he had penalties there, and uh, I just I didn't. I didn't really, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that hit. And uh, Eichel didn't either. Um, then we go to the third period, where Lundell gets a goal, makes it 4-1. to one. Panthers start to rally a little bit there. Marcheseau decides he's going to add a goal, make it 5-1 to one right after that. Uh, Amadio makes it 6-1. to one. The Chuck makes it six to two, then gets a uh, misconduct a little while later. He has two or three of those in this series alone. I believe he got two in this. Was it this game? It might have been the next game, but he got one here. Uh, Colasar and Fitzgerald get game misconducts as well. Game misconducts. All right, for people who don't know. A game misconduct is usually a 10-minute penalty. You are usually sent off if it's close enough in the... You're actually sent off in general. They don't put you in the penalty box anymore for 10 minutes. They uh, send you to the locker room. After your 10 minutes is up, you can't actually come back on. Uh, but it is a, a game misconduct. It is a heavy, heavy penalty. You really... That's... it's. It's not a great mark to have or to be associated with on your on your record that you get a bunch of game misconducts. It's not a badge of honor or courage or something like it used to be. Uh, a game misconduct is uh, really bad because most of the time that means your team uh, had to play without one of its best players for over 10 minutes. Now, you weren't down a man, but or you weren't down a man on the ice. But you were in the availability. That's one less player that you could pick from from your bench. And that's uh, why so game misconducts are not the world's uh, best thing. Sometimes they happen. Most of the time it's for a big fight is when you would get one of those. But uh, in this case, uh, the Chuck is doing everything he can to annoy Vegas. And Vegas is just not fighting back. They're taking the power play and usually scoring. But uh, he gets the misconduct there. Fitzgerald and Colasar follow not long after that. Um, Duclair gets gets one as well. A little bit later on, um, Howden gets a goal, makes it seven to two with about two minutes to go. Uh, Cousins gets a game misconduct. They just, just the Panthers come off the rails. They. They were uh, quite off the rails. Vegas ends up taking this game 7-2. to two. Remember, I said Vegas would take game one. Vegas would take game two. I said the Panthers take game three. I said the Vegas Knights take four. Panthers, I think, are going to get five. And Vegas is going to win game six in Sunrise, Florida, and win the cup there. That was my prediction. I also said that 
in game three that we were just about to talk about, that the Panthers are going to win it, but it's going to be really close. How close was it? Let's talk about game three. Game three was actually more chaotic than game two. We start early as uh, it was actually pretty clean earlier. After all those game misconducts in game number two, you really thought this would just start with a melee. Not so much. We'll get to the actual melee a little later on. Uh, Montour actually opens up with a goal, makes it one to nothing. Panthers uh, about five minutes into the game. Florida had the early energy, and they were maybe it was because they were playing at home. They seemed to be just, they had that extra boost when they needed it. Carrier gets the penalty, then Florida follows it a handful of minutes later. Uh, Carrier and uh, Gudis get the matching penalties with uh, about four minutes to go. Duclair finds his way into it to make it a four on three. And then Stone puts one in the back of the net to punish him and tie it up one to one. We go to period number two. Carrier gets another penalty. I, is he trying to catch up to, to Matthew Thachuk here? Because Thachuk gets him like five to ten minutes at a time. Uh, Carrier seems to get him two minutes at a time, and they're pretty close in numbers. But Carrier gets the penalty early on. Then Florida follows it a couple minutes later with one of their own. Vegas Golden Knights get another one later on. Um, I believe that was Barbashev that uh, – or no, Barkov uh, – Yeah, I think Barkov makes it 2-1 to one at that point. Uh, Florida gets another penalty, then a power play goal by Marsha So. I'll get into him in a minute. He is setting, uh, really close to setting a lot of records. Um, and I would say between Aiden Hill and Marsha So, if they win the Cup, one of the two of them is the MVP. They could almost, they could almost share it. And there's a couple other guys that are scoring like, like Marsha So, but he is just lighting the world on fire. But uh, he scores with about five minutes left in the period, makes it two to one. Uh, Martinez gets a penalty. Something he just doesn't do a whole lot. I've been following him for a while. Uh, then Florida gets one late in the second that carried over to the third. It didn't matter because about halfway into it, into the third period, Eichel gets a penalty. He earned that one. Uh, Gudis and Barbashev get matching penalties. Again, they're back into it again. Matthew Thachuk decides to tie it up at 2-2 two two with two minutes to go. Florida actually gets a penalty with 11 seconds to go. We go into overtime. Vegas starts on the power play. Uh, Verhage ends up with the goal about five minutes later. Makes it 3-2. to two. They win that one in overtime. Florida is 7-0 and in overtime this postseason. You hear that, Vegas? Do not go to overtime with the Panthers unless you want to lose. Because they are 7-0. and And, like I said, not only was this a close game, not only did Florida win, it was a really good game. It uh, They kind of cleaned up a little bit. There wasn't quite as much carnage. So we go into game four. Game four also in Sunrise, Florida. This opens up in period number one. Stevenson gets the goal just a minute. Oh, it's like a minute 21 into the game. Uh, they caught Florida in a bad change, and uh, Stevenson just went right up the middle, right through the neutral zone. They caught the puck on the way in and uh, was one-on-one with Bobrovsky and, uh, and beat him flat out. 
then Florida was finding their groove again. And uh, I would say for the majority of period number one in a lot of this game, it was about 60-40, maybe 65-35 Florida as far as the energy, the, the action, and the overall impact that they were having on the game. We move into period number two. Florida gets the penalty. It was on, I believe, Eric Stahl uh, early into period number two. Stevenson gets the goal five minutes later. Makes it two to nothing. Carlson gets the goal a handful of four minutes later and makes it three to nothing. Montour gets this pinball goal to make it three to one late in the second. When I say pinball, uh, they always tell you that sometimes if all else fails, just throw it towards the net. So he was down um, just behind the right faceoff circle, and by right, if you are if you are looking at the goalie from center ice. The face-off circle that is is to his left, but if you're facing, then it's it's the one you you would look at to your right. Uh, but he just kind of flicks it from there. It goes off the skates of two different Vegas Golden Knights, and in the process, uh, pinballs this way in. Aiden Hill never had a chance at this one. It, it it hit so many times. By the time he saw it, it was behind him. Uh, hey, it works. Like I said. If all else fails, it ain't got to be pretty. Just throw it at the net and see what happens. So we got three to one. We go to period number three. Barkov gets a goal to make it three to two. The Panthers were really pressing hard. They, they were going volume on shots over trying to uh, pick the right spot. Just once again, if all else fails, throw it at the goal. Uh, Petrangelo got the penalty with 17.4 to go. Uh, the game ended up ending uh, three to two, and then there was a melee after the whistle. It's because there were multiple whistles and a horn that said the game was over, and yet the Panther players kept slapping at the net and and the goal, or yeah, the goal, the net, Aiden Hill, and the puck, even though the game was long since done, and uh, lots and lots of... Um, fisticuffs, and uh, eventually they got them separated. It wasn't a, a huge melee, but it was more a lot of grabbing and a lot of, I mean, they were throwing empty empty shots at each other. Most of them weren't landing, but, you know, you, you can't, I, I understand a little bit of where Florida was coming from, but uh, I totally understand where Vegas was here, that you just can't let that kind of stuff happen. So, so far, as I said, your boy, here, the impact. He is four for four in predicting this game, uh, the four games so far. Remember, I said that game five, which will be tomorrow night at 8 p.m. on TNT, I will be watching. I know you guys will be watching. Uh, it is in Las Vegas at T Mobile Arena. I still say the Panthers are going to find some sort of way to win. I think it once again is going to be close. I don't know if it goes overtime, but I think it will be really close. Probably three to two, four to three, something like that is probably what you're going to see. Uh, now don't get me wrong. Wouldn't mind being wrong if if Vegas wants to win it on home turf. That's that's even more incredible. Uh, but I just feel like the Panthers are going to win game five. It's going to be really close. Three to two, four to three. And uh, Game 6 in Sunrise, Florida, which is where the Panthers play. I think the Golden Knights are going to win that one. That one is on Friday at 8 p.m. on TNT. I just think this series is going to end 
on that Friday. Because if need be, we go all the way to, to uh, a week from now, the following Monday, 8 p.m. on TNT. That would be Game 7 in Vegas. I don't think this goes seven. I just think that Vegas has too much firepower, too much depth, and they're not feeding into the physicality. Now they're not backing down, but they're not they're not they're not retaliating. They're fighting back, but they're not retaliating with all the physicality and uh, the after the whistle uh, shenanigans of the Panthers. And uh, they're just letting the Panthers go to the box, and then they're beating them on the scoreboard when they have the advantage. So uh, I just I just feel like uh, the Panthers could probably beat almost any other team in the league as they have smoked through the playoffs, especially after the incredible. They were down three to nothing to Boston, by the way. You guys remember that? They were down three to nothing and ran through the best regular season team, ran through the Hurricanes, and here they sit. So they're not a bad team. They're not, they're actually a really, really good team, but they ran into the one team that just will not feed into their shenanigans. So just, uh, like I said, game five on tomorrow night um, wouldn't hurt my feelings if the Golden Knights went ahead and won it there on home ice. I just feel like the Panthers are going to find a way to steal the thunder there. And then I don't think the Panthers are going to, just gonna, they're going to put everything they can into game five. And I just game six, I think they're going to come out flat and just not have anything left. But that's my predictions. Like I said, I am four for four, even if I'm four for six and miss both of these or, or uh, just miss one of them and go four for five, I'll take it. I've already predicted a majority of these games, even if it does go to seven. Uh, but other than that, that is everything that I believe I can possibly tell you about hockey this week. There's so much more to come. Yes, I know I told you guys there are some KSU updates and some uh, some fun announcements coming up. I, I cannot quite tell you uh, some of them right now, but uh, trust me, they're coming, and I believe you guys are uh, going to – I think you guys are going to like it. Um, other than that, KSU, I swear I had another announcement. I have another announcement. Did I? I know I have one somewhere. Let me find it real quick, really quickly. I don't remember if I said it or not, but I will. Did I, do we have it? There it is. Yep. I don't know if I said it or not, but happy birthday uh, just a couple days ago to number seven, Aiden Cook. Happy birthday to KSUL, Aiden Cook. Uh, good luck this season and look forward to seeing you out there on the ice. That's what it was. Happy birthday to, I believe it's Aiden Cook. If I have your name wrong, please correct me. But other than that, this has been another great edition of Board Check, the often imitated Never duplicated. Remember, remember that imitation is the finest form of flat, flattery, and I'm very flattered of people that try to imitate this show. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. We will see you guys next week. Go Owls. Go Glads. Go Preds. Go Canes. Go watch the Stanley Cup Finals. Deuces, gooses.